heard a lot. It's been amazing. I'm going to uh, continue to, to speak on God, but we've heard a lot about God already. And uh, it's just been great to have the Gimples here, to hear their hearts, as well as just to uh, worship God together. Some amazing singing. Um, turn your Bibles to Isaiah 40, and we'll jump right in. Uh, we have had a great series on worship, and I hope that you are worshiping God in a way that is new and renewed, that you're seeking God in, in, in incredible ways, and that ultimately you're seeing God in and, and I think as we think about worship, we have many different pictures in our mind of what worship is. Uh, you know, some of us have been to churches where it's a lot more traditional. Uh, some of us have been to churches that have, you know, seen, um, you know, just so the lights are down dim and you got the, the rock band playing, right? Um, and, and then there's other people that are just part of the acapella, you know, no instruments. To me, worship is me out in the woods with God. To me, worship doesn't happen on only Sunday, but it happens when you fall on your knees spontaneously because you see God. And I love worship on Sunday. I think some of the most incredible uh, times in, in spiritual life have happened in worship on Sunday. To me, I worship when I fellowship with people and when I talk to them and I hear their hearts and their wisdom but some of my most incredible times with God have happened when I'm alone. And anyone who would seek God knows that to be true. Yeah. Because only when you're alone with God uh, can you truly, truly stop all the noise. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, that right now. And just even just our personal relationship with God. I know collectively we worship God together. And I believe that's how we love God. God is by meeting together, as well as just being able to learn from each other and grow from each other. And, and when two or three are gathered, Jesus is there. Amen? Amen? But I want to talk about here is your God. That's the message title today. That's what Isaiah said over 750 years ago. Here is your God. And that's our role as disciples is to point to our God. Amen? Yeah. Not to point to ourselves. Not to point to our awesome church. Not to point to, you know, our awesome worship leader, Jesse Fowler. Not to point to our programs, but to point to God. And to say, here is your God. And I want to ask you, when was the last time you had a time where you felt, here is your God? A moment where you spontaneously just worshiped God. You know, it could have been a quiet moment where you just fall in your, you know, just in your mind, in your heart, you just close your eyes and worship God. There are times in my life where I've just fallen down on my knees and worshiped God. And I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up going to church. So for me, I, the concept of God and, and the concept of, of finding him in church, uh, you know, was something I, I didn't know much of. I came to church... Um, you know, hungover drunk. <laughs> and I definitely didn't know what it was like to be part of a church. But I remember studying the Bible and changing my life in three weeks. And I remember about to get baptized, wanting to get baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. And, and I wasn't seeking God's kingdom first. I was, I was still distracted. And, you know, if, if you're studying the Bible right now, that's what happens. Right before you're about to get, become a disciple... Mm-hmm. 
Satan throws all these things in to distract you. And my buddies came up from uh, UNH. Uh, I was playing basketball there at the time. And, you know, they came up and they were trying, let's go out to see New York City because that's where I was studying the Bible at NYU. And I was there for a summer. And let's go out and, and, and do that. And, and I was like, I felt bad not being a good host to my friends. And I didn't see God's kingdom first. And so I came with my towel to be baptized. And they said, we're not going to baptize you because you're not a disciple yet. Disciples seek the kingdom first. And I was like, whoa. You canceled us three times, Glenn. Why don't you come to church and we'll baptize you then? And I was like, wow. I mean, that's not so bad, right? Just take another day. The only problem was I had to get on a plane to go to a uh, collegiate kind of basketball um, camp. And, you know, the University of New Hampshire kind of helped me get there. They kind of set things up. There was some serious players coming. I kind of needed to go there. It was part of, you know, being on the team. And so I, I was thinking, I, I, I can't change my flight because I actually tried to change my flight before to set it up so that I could go there. The problem was I was taking Delta, and it was the Atlanta Games. And if you know anything about the Atlanta Games, you ain't getting Atlanta changing any flight because I was going through Atlanta. I called before because my mom wanted to take us somewhere else, and I want another day. I tried to change it even before I was becoming a disciple, and they said no. So I gave a call there, and I remember just praying, God, I'm just going to miss the camp. I need to seek the kingdom first. And I already kind of decided to do that. I might get in trouble with my coach, but I'm going to seek the kingdom first. And, and compared to Jesus' sacrifice, that wasn't much. But, man, I was crying, begging God, let me do both. So I called the, the, the Delta, and I was put on hold, of course. And then, you know, after 20 minutes, I got on the phone, and she said, are you kidding? There's no way you're going to change your flight to Atlanta. You, you realize what's happening? I'm like, yes, I realize the Atlanta games are going on. She's like, I'm sorry, there's just no way. And then she said, wait a second. Of course, you knew that was coming because our God is awesome. But something just opened up. We can change your flight if we do it right now for the next day, Monday. I said, yes, yes, let's do it, let's do it. And so I was able to do both. I got baptized that Sunday uh, about 20 years ago. And I was able to go to the camp. And believe me, I played a lot better. Uh, saved. I was full of the Holy Ghost, man. I was fired up, you know. People were like, what happened to you? I was like, I got baptized. But I remember falling on my knees right after I got off the phone. I said, I know, God, that you exist. And that you hear prayers. And that you are here right now. And I'll never doubt you again. And to me, that's a here is your God moment. You know, for us, it, it's, it, it, there's so many other things I can think about. But for me, we as disciples daily can experience here's your God moments. Because God has to be real to us. Our understanding of God has to be real to us. And our worship of God has to be authentic. It can't just be going through the motions. And I believe our, our lens of God and our understanding of God is that, you know, in, in Exodus, we see that um, when the people heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. You know, when was the last time you bowed down and worshipped God? You just were like, what? And you just started praying to God. Maybe it's been a long time for you. Maybe it's 
it's never been happened to you. Maybe you go, God is there. But you know, all of us have those memories. And hopefully today I'll help you to remember your God today. Amen? Amen. Because he's awesome. You know, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. You know, just spontaneously worshiping God. Now is our time of the service where we will stand up and sing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're by yourself and you're floored by your awesome God. You know, Pat had that moment. You know, I've had many of these moments as a disciple, and I think you have too. You know, I remember um, as a kid, my grandmother, she she said, have you ever prayed before, Glenn? And I said, no, I never prayed before. I was five years old. He said, let's come to, the, come, to the, come to the bedside and we'll pray. And I didn't know what was happening. So I kneeled down and she said, this is my grandson, Glenn Phillip. I want to introduce him to you. Change the world through him. And I remember just being like, Who, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I'm five years old. I don't know what's going on, you know. And, and I'm just hearing my grandmother pray for me that I'd be a world changer that I'd be a, an incredible man of God that could change the world. And, and I, I remember that moment. And when I was baptized, and, and is even at today, I think about the fact that my grandmother prayed for me to change the world. That's a here is your God moment. Yeah. I remember being a kid, and my dad, you know, of course, my mom and dad divorced, but my dad had to work three jobs, and he was out a lot. And I... He would fall asleep on the road often because he worked so hard to keep us afloat. And, and he, he shouldn't have shared that with me because I was worried. You know, 1 o'clock in the morning, your dad's not home. You're thinking, what am I going to do if my dad, you know, you're 8. What am I going to do if my dad dies? I can't live with my mom. She's not ready for me. I can't do that. And so I prayed. I prayed to God. God, don't let my dad die. Don't let my dad die. And I'd cry out to God, and right then, when I'd start crying out to God, my dad walked through the door. You know, that's a here is your God moment, amen? amen? I remember being in Hawaii and just being just a non-Christian in the world, deeply in the world, and going there. My mom sent me, I don't know why she did that, 17, happy anniversary, go to Hawaii for three weeks, live in hostels, here's 500 bucks to live on, good luck. Pretty cool. But of course, I came with a mind of sin, and, and, and I came back with a mind of God. And the reason was because I saw the beauty of Hawaii. I remember being in Kauai, being on this beach by myself, looking at the beauty, the waterfalls, the forest. And I just said out loud, there has to be a God. There has to be a God. And coming back, that next, that next summer, I was baptized into Christ. I remember being... Um, uh, in Albania and, and leading the church there. And we had handed out 20,000 invitations. We were all excited about, you know, when you believe service. We had like concerts and chorus going on. We had all these plans. We rented out the opera house and we handed out 20,000 invitations. And everyone was excited. And then I got a call from the person that ran the opera house and she said, I'm sorry to say this, but we have to cancel your reservation. The queen of Albania have died. I said, who's the queen of Albania? We have a queen? You have a queen? <laughs> I thought only, you know, England had a queen, you know? No, the queen of Albania died, and we need to do the service at the opera house. We're sorry. 
It's like, well, I just handed out, you know, two days before the service, handed out 20,000 invitations. I was trying to say this in Albanian. And then my administrator started getting heated. You know, she was a little, little, little fiery Albania girl. They're going back and forth. You know, I, Sherry knows what that means. You know, feels like Sherry's the administrator here at USM. What are we going to do? Well, you can use our storage unit, she said. I was like, the storage unit? Yeah, but guess what? You can get it for free. And I was like, okay, let's look at the storage unit. And it was... It was a storage unit. It was a long, long thing. You know, it's like the worst way to do service. This long room. And we tried, like, what if we do this? Or what if we do? It didn't work. Nothing worked. So we just set up the chairs as best we can. And we had the ushers just transport people. Don't go to the Queen of Albania's funeral. Come to church, right? And so we moved all these people. We had 400 people come to the service with disciples of 100 at that time. And I remember the, the brother from a Romania evangelist there said, you should do a discipleship study and ask people to stand up if they want to be a disciple. And I was like, I never did that before. How do you do that? He's like, well, listen, I did that in Romania, and it was, it was great, but it was also awful. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no one stood up when I did it. He's like, well, why do you want me to do that? Well, well you, you know... Just tell him. And, and he's like, what? I go, what did you do? He's like, I just kept on preaching until someone stood up. He's like, that's what you need to do, Glenn. And I was like, I don't know about this. So we afterwards, we had food there. And uh, we, we had a great service. And we, then we invited everyone to eat and then have food. And we had discipleship study. And I was doing the discipleship study with the translator back and forth. And I said, if you want to be a disciple, stand up. And I kind of closed my eyes. You know what I mean? It was one of those like, and 50 people stood up. We started studying the Bible with these people, you know, and it just was nonstop. And it was a here is your God moment. Yeah. I remember this brother who was about to fall away was studying the Bible with two people. He was not doing well spiritually. And I said, listen, you got to hang on, man. Just save these people and then you can make your decision. And he kept studying with them and said, I don't want to fall away. I know that God is real. Amen. You know, and the amazing here is your God moment. I remember two disciples in Albania were out in this hundred, you know, uh, uh, we had a hundred disciples. We, we decided to do a service over there and see what it would be like to go to Elbasan, which was a place in, in Tirana. And we had two disciples there, and we decided just to take one afternoon and share our faith, see what happens. So we shared our faith for about three hours. Everyone transported, about half the church came over. And then we rented out another opera house. That's what we do, you know. We we're hoping no one dies. <laughs> and I was like, you know, hopefully we can get like 20 people to come. That'd be great. I mean, an afternoon of sharing, amen, it can produce a lot of things, but we're thinking, you know, a couple people are going to come. And that opera house was filled with over 200 visitors. That was a here is your God moment. Um, I have so many of these moments. In, 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 here in, in Portland, so many here is your God moments. You know, handing Janet the invitation to come to... You know, Crazy Love, our, our first kind of series we did. And she said, I am definitely coming. <laughs> We've been looking for a church. You know, here is your God moment. You know, seeing Katie here, that's a here is your God moment. That, you know, who shared, her, who shared their faith with Katie? No one in this room. That's right. Isn't that crazy? 
Seth's sister, who lives in Bangor, reached out and connected us so she could be our sister in Christ. Amen. You know, Evan, he'll tell you his here is your God moment. Everyone knows it. It's when that third song happened, amen? When that third song happened, we know a here is your God moment. You know, when um, we saw just amazing people become disciples, we saw just seeing seven people going into full-time ministry here out of this little church. That's a here is your God moment. You know, when Lourdes said, I want to come on the mission team. That was a here is your God moment. You know, when, when I, I saw Sherry called me up. She was the administrator for the, for the, for the, for the USM, uh, all the USM facilities here. And, you know, uh, we kept having issues with the facility. And this was the other one over there. I kept calling her back and forth. You know, the, the box isn't open. I'm sorry. Could you please send someone to open up? And, and Jim and Sherry were there. And, and Jim was like, who is that church? You know, her, her husband now, who is that church? Why do they keep calling you on Sunday morning? And Sherry was like, well, they're the Church of Christ. And Jim had been baptized by the Church of Christ decades ago. And was like, what did you say? Church of Christ. I got a call uh, a little while later, and Sherry said, "Can I talk to you?" And I, you know, when, whenever the facility person calls you on Wednesday to talk to you, your your wheels are spinning. What did someone? Did a campus student spill something? What happened? Did we leave trash behind? You know, I'm like, "What happened?" She's like, "Could we get to with you, together with you and talk about God?" You know, who who does that when you know when an atheist shares their faith? and on campus with Jared and brings him to Ezra. You know, that's a here is your God moment. Let's read in the Bible, Isaiah 40. There's much more to this sermon, but I'm going to keep it short because I think sometimes the shortest are the best. Amen? amen. And the church says amen. amen. <laughs> Verse 9 says, You bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who's held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on a scale? And the hills in a balance. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Sure, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They regard as dust on scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough to burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom, then, will you compare God? And to what image will you liken him? You know, there's so much more to this chapter. But I want to ask you, what's your view of God? 
And I believe this is the most important part of our church, is what's your view of God? Are you growing in your understanding of how great our God is, both experientially and in your knowledge of the word of God? I need you to look, church, for God every day. I need you to see him because he's right there. Do you realize how many miracles we miss every day? Because we're not looking. You know, other versions say, behold, here is your God. I like that version better, the New King James Version. It seems a little bit more powerful. Behold, here is your God. We need to both see it as disciples, but we also need to proclaim it. Amen. When God is there, we need to tell people that was God. That's because of God. We need to give God the credit. We also need to see him. Sometimes we can be so blind to seeing God. You know, what does behold mean? To see, to observe. Are you observant? When you wake up, do you say, I want to see my God. I want to behold my God. See, that makes your day much more exciting, doesn't it? That makes going to work much more exciting. And you don't know when God's going to show up because he shows up in so many different ways when you're not even ready for. Not even ready for. Witnessing God, gazing upon, contemplating, spotting him. I love that one. Ah, there he is. He's right there. Here is your God. You know, uh, I want to ask you, church, to pray daily that you'll see God. Not just in your times with God, although that's so important. But after your times of God, look for him. Amen. Look for how he's going to use you. Look for how he's going to show up. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be hard. Just be observant. Because God's showing up all the time. That's right. He's everywhere. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a great uh, quote. Christianity at any given time is strong or weak depending upon her concept of God. And I insist upon this, and I've said it many times, the basic trouble with the church today is her unworthy conception of God. Why do we sin, church? It's because we don't believe God is powerful enough to help us with our needs. Why, do we, why are we unfaithful sometimes? It's because we don't believe God's going to show up for us. Why do we question God? It's because we don't think God is wise enough that he's transcended enough to know the future and the past. You realize that God is outside of time? That he has no past, no future. He is outside of time. Time is just a blimp in eternity to him. And so when we say, why did God do this and why did God do that? We are speaking foolishness because God knows exactly why. God knows exactly why he's doing stuff. Why do we doubt him? It's because our conception of him is off. Why don't we give everything? It's because we don't think he's going to give us a hundred times back. But every time we do, he shows up, doesn't he? You've told us stories about how you've given that one dollar and God's given you a hundred back. How many people have to say, I gave all the money in my wallet and then all of a sudden a check showed up in my mailbox for a hundred times as much. Or how many times do we have to talk about how God was faithful with our families our conception of God is so important that's why this worship series is so important it's because who are we worshiping it's not about singing our songs good because although we need help with that amen tenor bass alto 
you know, soprano, all that's good stuff. But your conception of God, did you see your God today? Did you behold him? Did you tell people what he's about? And so I want you to think about that. And, and one of the things that I've been doing, I want to encourage you guys to do, I had a lot to talk about here, yeah. is I want you to buy these two books. I don't usually ask this. This is not a, two, this is not a DPI book, amen? Although they're great books, IPI. These two books are seriously changing my relationship with God because they have a lot of Bible in them. And obviously this is the book that changes your relationship with God the most. But I believe these two books will help us see God in a greater way. The attributes of God. And, and who's read these books before? Attributes of God. I know people don't like raising their hands in the church, but <laughs> I want to know who, like, you know, has people read this before? If we all saw God the way he's even just explaining him in his small-minded way. I mean, this guy has spent his life trying to do this. But man, he's digging deep. The last chapter is on the love of God. And I love what he does with the last chapter. And I just want to read you an excerpt, and then we'll close. Amen? Each chapter, he takes on a different attribute of God, and he kind of says, God has an unlimited amount of these things. He's the only one that you can say, well, he's got unlimited energy. A lot of times they say that about my sons. No, they get tired. I see them conk out. No one has unlimited energy. You know, when you give up your energy, you lose it, right? But not God. He's unlimited in all he is. Unlimited in his grace. You can't take more grace than he has. Unlimited in his holiness. Unlimited in his perfection. But the last chapter moved me deeply because he said, I don't know what to say about the love of God. I'm a fool to talk about it. He said, it's the hardest of God's attributes to speak about or even to comprehend. And it's where all his attributes come from. It's like trying to take, to open your arms and embrace the ocean. That's what it's like to try to comprehend God's love for you and me. It's like trying to go and embrace the atmosphere <laughs> or rise to the stars. No one can do it, but he says, I suppose we must try the best we can to understand it. He says, what can the world do to a man or woman who is grounded in the love of God? who swims in the ocean of his love like a fish in the mighty open water. What can the devil do to a person like this? What can sin do? What can this world do? Nothing. Because nothing can separate us from the greatness of God's love and his attributes. You know, church, I want you to dig deeper in your relationship with God. I want you to think bigger. You know, there's one of these books called your God is too small. And I, I've read it before, but the title gets me the most. It's a great book, but the title gets me the most. My God is too small. The truth is, he's getting bigger and bigger every day, hopefully. But he's always going to be small. Only when you see him 
And when you see him, you've probably been learning a lot. You know, what are we going to do in heaven? Contemplate God. And you won't, eternity won't be enough to understand him. I love Agar. Let's all be like Agar, guys. You know, what would Jesus do? What would Agar do, right? What would Agar do? Agar said, I'm weary, I'm weary, God, but I can prevail. Surely I'm only a brute, not a man. I do not have human understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I attained to the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has gone up to the heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is the name of his son? I love it. I go, Jesus! <laughs> Surely you know. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge. You know, Agar had the humble posture that I don't know who this God is. I know a little bit about him, but I don't know everything. Guys, let's get our conception of God a little closer to where it needs to be. And watch how God uses mightily. Amen. Amen.